You're listening to Orange and Blue Blood, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. With Josh Hart, who did the Knicks a solid by accepting that $12.9 million player option this year to stay in New York for the upcoming season. Now it appears he's set to be rewarded a big way by the Knicks. So you had Knicks beat writer for the Daily News, uh, Stephen Bondi, saying the Knicks are expected to extend Hart on a deal in the neighborhood of four years, $75 million. So those are the numbers coming out right now in terms of what a Josh Hart extension could look like. Meanwhile, on the Hoop Collective podcast, ESPN's Brian Windhorst said that he would be, quote, very surprised if a deal isn't completed by this week between the Knicks and Josh Hart. He noted that you have Team USA training and, of course, the FIBA World Cup that's going to be taking place. Josh Hart is a member of Team USA, so a lot of the players on that team have their contracts situated and straightened out. A lot of those guys are on long-term deals at this point, so that Hart would be added to that list going into this summer or this August, rather, as we enter the new month. So, one, Tommy, how do you feel about this number we're seeing, the four-year $75 million. Are you comfortable with that? Yes. Uh, so just uh, for uh, uh, the full details, kind of a, a full roundup here, uh, uh, you know, uh, we know that Hart exercised his $12.9 million uh, player option last month yep. for the 23-24 season. So he's locked in there. Uh, per the new CBA, New York can offer him a contract up to four years in length. Uh, starting at 140% of his the final season of, of his the salary in his final season of his current contract. Um, so the math um, works out to essentially about $81.2 million would be the maximum amount the Knicks could offer uh, over four years in an extension to Josh Hart. Um, I think a lot of people expected, um, if not that full max, right around that 81, 80 million, high 70s number. So if they can come in somewhere around 75 million, um, whether that's a, a de-escalating contract structure, which we know um, they've used before with Brunson, with Mitchell Robinson, um, or a flat, you know, uh, you know, a little bit less than the than the full terms uh, that he could have signed for, um, I think that would definitely be considered a win for the Knicks. Um, a reminder: um, Yes, Josh Hart didn't play his best basketball um, the last time we saw him in that series against the Heat, but immediately upon his arrival in New York, you could tell he was a New York Nick type of guy, a guy that would be embraced by the city and the fan base for the way he played um, efficient, uh, unselfish, uh, competitive, all the things that you really like, um, obviously fitting well with Brunson. They have a, they, they, you know, that, that relationship um, obviously started uh, and developed during their days at Villanova um, seemed to be a kind of player um, that would get along well with Tibbs. There's just so much to like there. Um, yeah. A guy that's entering his prime, 27, 28, 29 years old, you'll have him under contract. Um, and uh, you know he's going to work hard. You know he's going to prepare the right way. You know he's going to practice well. You know he's going to hold his teammates accountable. All the stuff um, on the court, uh, great rebounding wing. Um, there's a lot to like. In the locker room, there's a lot to like. So thought bringing Josh Hart, re-signing him um, was definitely one of the priorities, especially since he gave up a first-round pick. They uh, Again, he looks like he did him a little bit of a favor um, by, uh, by by opting into that last year of the contract. And if the Knicks can sign up for anything less than $80 million, I, I think that's a win-win for both sides. Um, certainly a fair value, good contract for for Hart, which uh, will obviously be his, his largest payday in the NBA, and also good for the Knicks. So, uh, yes, I'm, I'm very comfortable at 75. 
Yeah, I mean, basically, you're looking at a a $19 million AAV for the four years beyond this current season. What you're looking at is essentially the deal that Evan Fournier signed with the Knicks just uh, a couple years ago. That's essentially the money that he signed for. That's the deal that Knicks have been unable to move at this point in time. That's a guy right now that is so out of favor with the Knicks, he can't get on the floor. Imagine having a guy at Josh Hart's value, given what he brings to the team, leadership, toughness, clutch play, rebounding, um, overall high character. I mean, that's the kind of contract you want to give to a player like Josh Hart, who has shown that he is a, a, a force, really, when he is right and when he is playing well, and that he actually helps the Knicks in the win column. You're talking about a player where the Knicks brought him in and they finished 17 and 8 down the stretch. Essentially, for the last 28, 27 games or so of the regular season, the Knicks were basically an elite level team with Josh Hart. And that carried over into the postseason where you saw the Knicks absolutely demolish the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that a lot of people thought the Knicks were going to lose to in that first round. You had a 17 point game in Josh Hart in that series. He had 13 on my birthday, uh, April 21st. That put the Knicks up. Um, 2 1 in that series, the 3 1 game, uh, that, that put the Knicks up 3 1 in game four. He had 19 points and seven rebounds. He was uh outstanding in that series. He also took the brunt of guarding his good buddy Donovan Mitchell for a large portion of that series as well. So, you're also getting a two way player in Josh Hart. So, uh, 19 million over four years that's something that I don't think that anybody really can be too upset about for what he brought to the table. I know. He does, that didn't necessarily play that great against uh, the Heat, but really, if you even look at the game log for that series, it really was two really bad games. It was game five and uh, game four and game five, where he had four points and two points, and really wasn't a factor. But um, he had two double doubles in that series at 14 11 game two, uh, 15 and 12 in game three. Um, he had 11 points and actually had the, the bucket that put the Knicks, you know, just behind. Uh, just one bucket behind them when uh, Brunson ended up turning the ball over. So he had 11 points in that game. That was a deciding game. Knicks obviously lost, but he played well in that one. I think the important thing for Hart is to continue to bring what he brings on the defensive and continue what he brings in terms of energy and effort. I think what I want to see from him next season is the consistent three ball that we saw for a large portion of last season. I mean, when he played in those games for the Knicks, he shot the ball extremely well. He wasn't shooting the ball well when he – got to New York. He was struggling in Portland. I think really the, you know, kind of the seesaw kind of swing on so as to how well this Josh Hart uh, deal will look will be if Josh Hart can turn into a reliable shooter. And if you're talking about him playing this backup power forward role, as we've seen with how Obi Toppin was used, that means you're going to be standing in the corner a lot. Well, you can't have what you saw in that Miami series late where he's hesitant to shoot or he doesn't want to shoot or when he does, then does shoot, he's not shooting with any confidence. He's shooting air balls. That can't happen. So um, I'm happy. I, I like what I'm hearing. I hope they can get this deal done. But I think for Josh Hart, in order to, to really live up to that contract, he's got to be a reliable three-point shooter as a stretch four. Yes, um, certainly. If we're talking about um, what he can work on, what he needs to improve, it's it's the three-point accuracy um, heading into next season. Um, has always been a little wonky to me and his, his form doesn't, you know, is not, you know, there, there are plenty of good shooters that don't have that prototypical, um, you know, straight line, elbow in knee, you know, shoulder, all that stuff that, that, that yeah. fundamentally they would teach you, um, can get away with it. Um, it seems a bit inconsistent, um, that, that probably, but as though, 
Um, he shot the ball well. Well, you know, really shockingly so when he arrived in New York. The 25 regular season games he played, he shot 51.9% from downtown um, yeah. New York. The deadline. Note: He was shooting thirty percent for the Blazers um, the first fifty games of the season. So um, another good point that you mentioned is that, especially if he's going to play that backup power fo- power forward role, um, you know, keep in mind Obi Toppin attempted um, the right here on a per game basis three point seven three pointers, uh, three point seven three point attempts per game last season in just in less than sixteen minutes. So extrapolate out, extrapolate that out to per thirty six. That's eight point three per. Um, which is one, uh, I'm sorry, 8.5 uh, three-point attempts per 36 minutes, which one tells you that the Knicks weren't using Obi properly, which is something we've right. talked about time and again. Um, but also that, again, you know, part of Tibbs, the Knicks don't have a, a plethora of really three-point shooters, um, especially when they moved away from Fournier when they moved him starting line bench. They have a rotation altogether and basically replaced them with Miles McBride. So Tibbs really re- – and Tibbs wanted to increase that three-point rate uh, increase the number of attempts the team took. Um, so a lot of that fell on the shoulder of Obi, um, who would get plenty of open looks on three-pointers. So, yeah, if I'm Josh Hart, um, you know, he's going to defend. You know, he's going to rebound. You know, he's going to pass. You know, he's going to push the ball in position. You know, he's going to get buckets that way, especially over the course of a regular season. Teams can kind of game plan against them like Spo when the Heat did. Um, uh, but, yeah, the thing that you'd love to see Josh Hart do um, is if he could become a 37% three-point shooter from the corner you know like a league average 35 30 percent next line up right now um you know make most of his open three balls and he's going to get a lot of them um the long runs a range of assassin um playing alongside randall um who can obviously um you know score at will um and then uh you know you know mitchell robinson is going to kind of collapse the defense in, into the middle of the floor yeah. um and you know even when he's on the second unit uh when hart's playing with iq and and, and the rest of the gang um he's going to get plenty of opportunities um to score mitch obviously we know isaiah hardenstein's a good distributor uh from that high post so if Hart knocked down those corner balls um off kickouts uh, those catch and shoot open three pointers consistently. That's really going to unlock his game, take his game and the Knicks to that that next level. Yeah, I mean, we could say what we want about Obi Toppin and his usage, and we agree that he was not used properly. But I mean, that's three point vibe that the Knicks are going to have to replace somewhere. I mean, we you know yep. Obi shot the ball at a pretty much a league average at that volume. If you don't have those shots being made, you either got to make up for it with another guy taking those shots, or maybe distributing more threes across the board or a player who's going to be dominant from two-point range to make up for those points that you're missing with Obi Toppin from three. I don't know if I want Josh Hart. Well, I don't, I don't know if I, I, I'll say this. I don't think I want Josh Hart shooting, you know, almost four three-pointers a game in 15 minutes and averaging eight three-pointers per 36. Like that, That I think, is not um, nope. the usage that you'd want. But I expect, you know, the two threes he averaged for the Knicks last year, I expect that to go up a little bit. I expect it to probably go up to probably four over the 25 to 30 minutes that he plays and he's got to shoot the ball. Well, he said, I think I, I would live with 37, 38%, um, 50% seems it's still crazy. He shot that well, considering how poorly he was shooting in Portland. Maybe some of it was just, uh, you know, happiness of being out of Portland, happy to be in New York a place where he thought that he could sign long-term and maybe he wasn't pressing as much. He did not look at 50% three point shooter in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it is worth noting that there were that was only two attempts per game. You know, let me see the total. Right. Um, you know, I, I have it here. Uh, I'm look up Obi rather. 
Um, so it's a regular season total. Yeah, so it was 27 to 52. So it was 50% on, on only 52 attempts, um, which is, you know, something to keep in mind. And, and another thing on the uh, on the contract number that um, I meant to mention earlier, um, and you mentioned yeah. $19 million a year is similar to Fournier, et cetera. Um, but the one thing we do want to mention, and what EJ and I will continue to mention it going forward, is not to get stuck on the a specific average annual value, in other words, the salary per season, but percentage of salary cap. Um, right. That's kind of the more important number. Um, you know, even the, the folks, you know, Jalen Brown talking about, yes, it's an insane number, but when you look at it as a percentage of salary cap, again, the salary cap is going to be about 15 million higher than this year than it was last year. It's going to go up another 15 million or so they project the year after that. Um, so what, whereas, um, you know, a player making 20 million was around, you know, 20% of the cap or 18% of the cap, a player making 20 million going forward, that'll be around 15, you know, 14% of the cap. Um, yeah. as it gets closer to 150 million up all the way up to 175 million by the time that the salary, which is one of the reasons why, um, Randall and Brunson's contracts are so incredibly valuable. Um, not only the out the top the total contract, but in terms of you know, uh, total salary percentage of salary cap. Um, you know, again, another one of those kind of sweet spot contract numbers where they're not going to cripple you long-term going forward. Even the guy doesn't pan out well. And just as importantly, yeah. there are those pieces that can be, um, cobbled together in a trade for the superstar, the Embiid's, the, the Giannis is the, you know, et cetera, whatever guy that the Knicks want to throw all their chips in the middle of the table of, um, you know, obviously you want to keep a guy like Hart around if you're competing short, et cetera. But it just has those valuable, relatively team friendly, um, and mid range, moderate, not 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 max number, not you know, uh, uh, mid level exception, kind of somewhere in between. Those numbers are helpful in trades. Absolutely, and I also think when we look at nineteen million dollars, and we'll see what the value is, is it increases and decreasing. We'll we'll find that out, I guess, right. over the next week, apparently, because that's what Winhorst saying that this could be done by the end of the week. Um. By the time you get towards the last few years of that contract, his number could look something close to what like the mid-level exception is at that point in time yep. with the yep. salary cap yep. continuing to rise. So imagine in year, you know, four of this deal, year three of this deal. Remember, you got this one full year this year at 13 million, then before this next contract right. even kicks in. We could be talking about Josh Hart, a guy who's still a valuable member of the Knicks, essentially playing on a mid-level kind of deal for what the NBA salary situation will be at that point in time. Right now, the mid-level right now is around, you know, 13, 14 million because of where the salary cap is and where team salaries are. But that's going to increase, as we've seen already with Jalen Brunson's massive, Jalen Brown's massive deal. Those numbers are going to increase. By the time we get to the second part of this deal, you're looking at a number that is a lot more affordable, a lot less kind of scary than it is today. And I don't even think it's that scary today because Josh Hart showed that um that that he definitely can can be a key contributor. And the other thing as well with Hart is I, I'm excited about the concept that he can actually finally grow with an organization. I mean, this is a guy who was in L.A. two years and traded, then in New Orleans for two years and a half and traded, then in Portland for a year and a half and traded. I mean, the fact that he's been able to even carve out a consistent NBA career coming in as a second-round pick with this much volatility around him is a testament to his character, which we now all know is A1. But, like, now you have a guy who is going to be in, we think, assuming there's no massive trade where you can trade again, but if you're growing with Josh Hart for the next five years, one situation, one organization, I'm kind of hoping it's not one coach, but maybe it is one coach during this whole time, 
And who knows the kind of player he becomes over this uh, next four or five years. So uh, I'm not saying that you got an all-star, future all-star under your hands, but he, he really could truly grow into a, a, a true kind of glue guy, glue guy for the entire organization for the Knicks because this was a player that even though we kind of touted him as a, a great guy to have in the postseason, had never played in the postseason before no. this year. This is not a guy who had all this experience on winning teams and a winning culture. He's just like that because that's who Josh Hart is and maybe a, a great testament to what Jay Wright established over at Villanova. So this is the kind of guy that maybe you could truly build a culture around. He could be really a foundational piece to building uh, that culture. Something that we talked about, you know, since he arrived um, and probably the highest compliment we can play, we can pay a player uh, on the current Knicks is Hart would fit in really well alongside those 90s Knicks, the Ewing, the Mason, the yeah. Oakley, uh, the X-Man, um, the Starks, like those type of guys. He's that type of mentality, that type of dog, that type of competitiveness, all that other stuff. Um, and those are the type of players you feel comfortable investing in um, because you feel um, you know, uh, they're not going to buy into the nightlife. And he's just all, all that other stuff that can kind of trip you up um, as an athlete in New York. Um, Hart team's really level-headed um, and just yeah. uh, a, a player that obviously there's prioritized trading for him and, 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 in the, and we'll see when the, once the contract gets done um, and they put pen to paper, keeping him as a, you know, I, it's pretty clear, obviously, they view him and, and, and Brunson. And we'll see how, you know, and, and Rails, see how the world turns out and then we'll you know, kind of quickly rhymes the other guys fit in um but kind of those kind of linchpins they're foundational pieces and those are good guys to to start again you know success in college national championship um and we've already seen their first few months in new york leading new york's arguably its most successful season um this millennium so uh, uh let's hope uh that the, the heart and the knicks get everything squared away uh, sooner rather than later it sounds like it's only a matter of time um, and, uh, you know, it sounds like Hart will be in a Knicks uniform for the season. Yeah, and when Hart signs that deal, of course, we'll have plenty of reaction on the podcast for when that deal gets done. 